Spoken Word, half an hour of poetry and performance, your connection to Melbourne's grassroots poetry scene, the voice of those of us who have nothing but our voices. Good morning, this is the 3CR Spoken Word Program. My name is Di Cousins and today I'm talking to Liz Murphy about her brand new book, The Wear of My Face. Welcome, Liz. Thank you, Di. It's gorgeous to be here. Thank you. And it's a great book. I really love it. Well done. Well, thank you. Glad you enjoyed it. Yes, so um, tell me, what was the impetus for putting this particular collection together? How did you decide these particular poems uh, would form a collection? The book uh, comes there over a number of years. There are poems that um, I've written quite a long time ago that haven't been collected up. Um, and then there is a whole lot of new work as well. I kind of had in the my idea just to show the fragmented nature of life, which was becoming more and more uh, reflected in my writing. You know, we're all, we're all busy and we're all trying to be in different places at once and we have our demands. And very often don't have, you know, I'm sure I know I'm not the only one who complains about this, but I very often don't have enough time for writing and just trying to find ways to write in between all the demands and things that go on. So I was just writing small pieces for a while and just having separated thoughts and collecting images if I commuted in particular and went about different things and thinking about how to put them together. And I thought rather than trying to bring things together and smooth them out and make them more linear and so on, I would just try and think of the word. I'm going to say enjoy, but that's not, not ad- adequate really, but just make the best of what was going on. And like I say, realising that it was a reflection of life, I decided that was maybe a good thing to flow with. Um, and I also bring into that some found text. So some of the poems have some fragments from one or two very old books or magazines of different kinds or overheard conversations, and they get woven in as well. So really I was experimenting a bit. So just allowing myself to go with the flow, whatever life was throwing at me, somehow bring those together as poems and then playing around with fine text and those sorts of things. Not all through the book, but in some of them. Yeah. Some of the poems, they go back about 10 years. The book has been coming together for about 10 years. Not that I set out to do it that way. It's just the way it has panned out. Yes, well, it's it's a wonderfully eclectic collection, both in terms of form and theme. And I was pleased to see that in it's comes up to the present time with a, a COVID poem. How is everything where you are in Bynalong in New South Wales at the moment? Well, we're out of lockdown, so that's nice. <laughs> yep. We've been very very lucky in this region. So Bynalong is just a little village in the Yass Valley. People often know Yass because it's um, about a very roughly a halfway point between Sydney and and um, even when there were problems in other parts of the state, Yass Valley until recently was COVID free and then quite recently had to go into lockdown itself and has come out again and the state has come out again, as you probably know. So now tell me, Liz, you work as a Tai Chi teacher and you have other responsibilities. Did you get any support to put the wear of my face together? Uh, yes, I did. I'm very fortunate to have had a grant from the ACT government. 
the uh, where of my face is supported by the ACT government. And Bynalong is just on the edge of the catchment area of the Canberra region. So I'm in the New South Wales regions that surround um, Canberra and support many poets and artists. They support poets and artists in those surrounding regions if they are, you know, if we are involved with the Canberra arts community. It's it's really uh, terrific. And is there much Canberra arts community? Because we don't hear about it in Melbourne, truthfully. Oh, yeah. That's, um, it's, there is a huge arts community in Canberra. Um, everything you can imagine, very high level. Uh, you know, it's the level of excellence is its dying. And some of that is nurtured by the universities that are there, of course. Um, and places like the Glassworks, for example, and the galleries. Uh, lots of galleries, as well as the obvious uh, National Gallery of Australia, and uh, great uh, cross interactions between uh, poets and all artists on both sides of the New South Wales border into Canberra. So we're very fortunate that we can access this uh, cultural centre um, from here and uh, lots of relationships going back and forward. Amazing. And and Braidwood is somewhere near there as well, isn't it? Which yes. was Judith Wright's that's, home. That's right. That's on the opposite end. So Bynalong, <laughs> northwest of Canberra, and Braidwood down the other end. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, quite a number of villages. And it's, it's a big topic during COVID, actually, because uh, there are special issues for the border towns. Um, because we go in and out of Canberra uh, all the time, and Canberra comes in and out to those surrounding regions too, and it's for work and for medical things and so that's been a lot of work for the people the relevant people to manage all of that yeah well that's good to hear it, it's good and it's good that it's you know flourishing even with all the difficulties that we've been experiencing these last 18 months yes there's a marvelous actually um weekly poetry uh, event called That Poetry Thing, which is normally at Smith's Alternative every Monday night, but is currently Zooming and reading on Monday night with Jane Baker and Robin Sykes, from also from the Yass Valley. And uh, so how do people, can people outside uh, obviously log in to the event or you should be yes, local? Well, while they're, while they're Zooming, yes, they have people from everywhere and they do promote the event on their Facebook page and uh, then they will send you the link. Okay, and just remind me of the name again. That Poetry Thing. Okay, something to look out for. That Poetry Thing that's on, on Monday nights at Smith's Alternative is its normal title. Okay. <laughs> and at the moment it's That Poetry Thing, Zoom. Okay, great, thank you. Now we might go to some poems. I really loved Stray Birds, 1 to 10, and it says, After Rabindranath Tagore, what's your connection to Rabindranath Tagore? I was very fortunate to go on a poet's tour um, twice to Calcutta. I think it goes back to perhaps 2006, 2007, and uh, went with a couple of other poets, Asians, just for a week, and uh, the focus was the um, Calcutta Book Fair, which is absolutely gobsmacking. <laughs> two million, two and a half million people queuing up to buy books. Incredible. <laughs> which is what we, wouldn't we like to see that here in Australia? <laughs> so I was introduced to um, quite a lot of Indian poets and continued to read just a little bit. Um, and um, yes, was very interested in Tagore. 
And this uh, poem, which I'll read you now, is uh, named his uh, poem called Stray Birds 1 to 10 and follows a similar style. Stray Birds 1 to 10. I was a stray bird in your window. We flew. Little vagrants on the wing, my breath catching on every arc. The world was ours, we thought for. Now the oaks are on the turn. My heart breaks open on your song. After the rain, birds fall on the drunk grass. Still drunk on you. Your touch slight, a feather. There is laughter. We fly again. Your feathers fall. Splinters of the sun. I collect them. The trees we planted together. Singing above us, birds two by two, their small nests. A night bird strikes its delicate bells. Under the dear moon, birds dream, we dream, I dance. Love is peace, a flutter in the silence. It's a very beautiful poem, very delicate and uh... The imagery is very evocative. Thank you. Yes, I love that. I was the stray bird at your window. We flew little vagrants on the wing, my breath catching on every arc. Um, it's, uh, yeah, very special. It's a, a love poem, I'm I'm understanding. Is that right? Yes, it is. Um, it did turn out to be a love poem. It's <laughs> <laughs> for my husband, um, Bill. Oh, Wonderful. Um, now, there's another poem, Girl in a Park, which um, has a very different kind of feeling to it. Girl in a Park is from when I was very young. I think, oh, I might have been about 15, I think. Yeah. And not quite understanding things. And this girl has stayed with me forever. Mm. Okay, would you like to read that one? I will. Girl in a Park. Young girl on the far side, cardigan, sand shoes, picking up meagre light, hands grasping swing chains high, her rocking. There she is again, apart. Two older girls walk by that way. She leaps up, runs to speak quietly, urgently to one, returns quickly to her place on the swing, rocks. Everyone else her age is inside having tea. Her breath is visible. She is the girl who went short because of what her father did to her. She never leaves me. Yes, it's so well, so well captured that very difficult life experience in that in that series of images. Well done. And that thing of you're young yourself and you don't quite know what's going on. Uh, I'm not sure that I really had heard of that kind of story before. And it took me a while to process it. I was one of the two girls, as you <laughs> perhaps uh, would realise. Right. And so it took a while to process that whole thing and that that kind of thing could even happen. Yes. And I always remember the whole thing of her being just this young, I'm not sure of her age, but she was, you know, an adolescent 
And just the way she was sitting apart, the couple of times that I saw her, she was always on her own. And she was that. Yes, it's in a, a particularly a few decades ago, there wasn't necessarily a lot of uh, ability to talk about incest openly as we might do now, perhaps. No, that's right. Not much was um, uh, spoken about openly. So that goes back to the 60s. Those things would have been secrets. You know, they would have been kept secret. There would have been shame. Mm. And so for, we didn't even know those problems existed. Yeah. And when you were young, you grew up in Belfast, wasn't it? Yes, born in Belfast and came to Australia as a 10-point immigrant right. <laughs> when about 14 with the family and did that typical thing in those days where everyone hung out for two years. Everyone, uh, so many people hated it and couldn't wait uh, for the two years. Up in the two years, if you go back, if you went back before two years, you had to pay the government back for your fares for your whole family. And if you saw the two years through, then you didn't. And so a lot of immigrants returned, unhappy immigrants returned after the two years. And indeed, many of them came back again and settled much better. And that was our story too. But I came back separately. I met Bill in Belfast and we came back together. And that goes back to, that was 69. Amazing. And us, you will have seen how much Australia has changed in the last 50 years. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, and we would really enjoy. We lived in Wollongong for about 12 years before we came to uh, Bynal in rural New South Wales. And we just loved that whole um, atmosphere of not only the beautiful beaches, but... Um, of the multicultural society. We hadn't experienced anything like that and we just loved it. We loved hearing, seeing people who all looked much different from us very often and the different languages in the street. It wasn't always well received in those days. So it really is a great change to see that uh, Australia itself is more multicultural and more accepting and that um, we are mixing and enjoying all these different cultures. Now, I'm wondering if you'd like to read War Zone Tours, which I think yes. might reflect on your Northern Irish experience. Well, it does indeed. So this poem, again, it's another one that I've probably been waiting a long time to write, um, and sometimes I find I just need one other element missing or something um, quite unexpected to trigger it, and, uh, and then that poem that's been waiting finds its place and so this was inspired by an article which was to do with I think it was Russia sorry I haven't got the acknowledgement on on the page but it was to do with uh, Russia I think was talking about uh, developing tourist tours to go to the um, front line of Syria and um, I was incensed mm. <laughs> uh, you know wherever it was I just thought it was the worst thing I could could imagine war zone tours I can tell you what it's like I can tell you what it's like, ears and eyes out on stalks, cricking over one shoulder or another, heart in a vice of fear, rifles at attention on every corner, tanks and jeeps changing the colour of your afternoons, people you have known running for their lives, workmates afraid to sit near you, be you them, family men turned guard and vigilante, guns in their pockets, women doing normal shopping, dropped to the ground, a bullet in the back. People on a harmless night out in pieces across the pavement. I can't stop you about the children. 
I can tell you what it's like sitting in your mind your own business living room, listening to gunshot getting heavier and closer, not knowing whether to go or stay, if your street will be cordoned off with barbed wire, overturned vehicles, the men with guns, and should you be kept in or better not. Taking your name off the front doorbell so you can't be categorized or bombed out. Sirens on the increase. Helicopters low in the sorry sky. I can tell you what it's like after you leave. And you have begun picking up your own pieces. And every week you are watching on the news your country burning. Watching the news for people you know dead, injured, evacuated. And some days you see them. I can't start to tell you what that's like. Just stay away from the war zone. It's not a sideshow alley. There is no step right up. You have no business there. Well, you've taken us with you to the front line of the troubles. So, well done. It's an amazing poem. Thank you. Um, does take you to a dark place. So we left uh, Belfast in 1969. So the troubles, um, well, officially started up in earlier in 16, um, but there were some spots of trouble before that. So we experienced it for about a year, which is nothing compared to people who have lived through the whole thing. It's a war of 25 to 30 years, but uh, that was more than enough. It uh, gives you, you know, that experience. Um, it gives us insights to uh, what other people are experiencing around the world and what it must be like to uh, be looking for a safe place for yourself, a safe home for your children, uh, without even thinking about um, a better future. A lot of migrants come here for a better future for their children, but in many cases people are just looking for safety. Yes, I think, you know, there's a tremendous lack of empathy in um, federal politics and a failure to understand the lived experience of people on the front line of wars. And uh, it's great that your poem can deliver that message so simply and clearly and briefly, you know. Thank you, yes. Well, I just hope that we will be less mean. Mm. And... um, you know, and I think, for me, I just think accepting migrants. So, you know, why not asylum seekers? from Kath Connolly's CD Journey, Celtic Harp Reflections. And I'm talking to Liz Murphy about her new book, The Wear of My Face. Um, now, one of, the th- character- one of the styles of a lot of your poems in this book is an absence of line breaks or punctuation. Now, looking at your, looking at Warzone tours, I mean, I, I would easily find line breaks 
but it's presented as a single piece of text. So how do you make that decision to leave out the line breaks and to leave out any punctuation? Where does that come from? I think um, the poems themselves ask... I'm writing prose poetry more and more often now. I have I have written prose poetry for a long time, uh, on and off, but I seem to be doing it more consistently. And I just find that it just gives you elbow room. I, I dropped punctuation largely a long time ago, and I find that's very constricting. I mean, I do use capital letters, and once in a while there might be an exclamation mark <laughs> or a question mark, uh, but otherwise I don't write it. And I find, yes, I find that very constricting, so I drop that. And when I write free verse and do have line breaks, I use the, the line breaks as punctuation very often. But in the prose poems, I just find it's a lovely loose style. You can get a freer rhythm. You know, I always think of it as just having elbow room and not having to worry about conventions. Maybe it's more, it's more about rhythm and maybe breath. Um, I do find that sometimes I need to put in the odd extra space. So <laughs> when I'm doing manuscripts and sending it to publishers or readers, I usually have to make a note to say that um, the bases in the prose poems are deliberate, they're not typos. <laughs> yeah. and, and then when it's, when it's typeset, maybe it will shift and I'll need to change those little bits of spacing again. And that's just to give a little bit of an indication when there is a bit of a shift. You know, so instead of where using full stops, <laughs> I put in extra space just occasionally. Yeah. Otherwise, run through and go with it. Um, I'm wondering if you'd like to read Like Next, which is on page 30. Oh, no, I haven't read that poem alive for a while. So talking of breath, <laughs> and I've also discovered, I don't know about anybody else, COVID has had a big impact on um, fitness, it seems to be, maybe it's like half and half. Half of people are doing a whole lot of extra fitness as a way to get out of lockdown when that applies. And the other half of us are just, you know, sitting around a lot more. That's me anyway. I haven't been doing the walking and Tai Chi that I normally do. And what I'm noticing is when I'm reading poetry, I run out of breath. And that's a particular problem for a longer prose poem. Right. <laughs> We'll see how we go. Yeah. Uh, I had never thought before about how much you need to be fit to read poetry. Mm. <laughs> like, I write like I am far-sighted. One eye the white landscape a centimetre from my face, peering around the ink of purple corners, skipping into beaten egg doorways, gazing wantonly through domestic windows, spying on tame strangers. I write the striped suit hijinxing with city cars. I am jollification outside the office. I write like I'm, I am in a live theatre, sitting at a table for one and an extremely large dinner plate, perched at the of a tepid evening, my feet practically on the pavement, milling pedestrians, my extras, lights, action, a fan stirring, a breeze, my hair tussling, Electric moonfish in the dark, lapping water. I write like I am the extra, trying not to rip up the stars or the stairs. I write like I have been deveined, like a green tiger prawn to be tossed in a hot pain. I inhale the garlic, 
write like I am the main course. I write like a disruption, like a wounded eagle, like a rent, like a rent dream, a tangled sheet. I write like the homeless sign on a cardboard, like somewhere in the world a book has fallen open, like the young man who cries in the wind, like the animal on the roof, like demand, like a ruffian, like self-delight, like the fading horizon, the fruiting moon, nest reed, the nest raiding caravan, the bird caught in the net, like a sleeve of tension, like a frosted pain, like antithesis, like a siren, like tapsigory, I try to dodge simply have more success with full stops. Amazing. So, I mean, it sounds like the writing experience is something that uh, really turns you inside out. You know, a deveined prawn thrown in a hot pan, smelling the garlic. Does it take a very special moment for you to write? I like your take on it. <laughs> um, I think, oh, look, I think if I uh, was in a position where I could just write all the time, um, you, you know, you really do get into the way of it and it happens more easily. But that's not the case. And um, always looking looking for the poem, not so much looking for the poem, but looking for the way to get writing the poem. And sometimes that does take effort. Um, and uh, I need to do all sorts of things to make it happen. And I mentioned earlier the um, making use of fragments and fragments from life and just going with that and really compiling fragments and memories and dream. And at the moment, that's my way of doing it and trying to hold on things until I can get them done and then working with them. Yes. I, I did have a period where um, uh, my last, my previous three books are small books and they're micro poems and my way of dealing with the problem for quite a while was to go back to writing micro poems which is where I actually started just you know grabbing an image and turning that into a poem or a thought and um, I did a lot of those for a few years, and this book came back to um, finding a different way to get uh, not so much longer poems, but poems with a bit more happening in them, which took up, therefore took up more space. <laughs> yes, well, it's a, it's a beautiful poem, um, and, and the imagery is just extraordinary. I write like the homeless sign on a cardboard tear, like somewhere in the world a book has fallen open, like the young man who cries in the wind, like the animal on the roof. I mean, it's a marvellous, marvellous collection of images. It's, uh, yeah, well done. Thank you. And I hope if people see it on the page, they'll enjoy my little joke at the very end. Yes. <laughs> you dodge similes, but you have more success. With, you can't dodge similes, but you have more success with full stops. Well done. Yeah. And um, then there's a full stop. It was a nice follow-up from the discussion of punctuation in the context of prose. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, well done. I've been talking to Liz Murphy about her new book, The Wear of My Face, which is published by Spinifex Press. Thank you for coming on today. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you very much for, for having me. It's fantastic. Yes. Oh, well, I really enjoyed the book and... Congratulations again. Thank you.
Are you going on any book tours or anything in the near future? Uh, no. The book, of course, is published by Spinifex Press and they are doing Zoom launches. And uh, we did had a fabulous Zoom launch in September for the book and we had something like 70 people there from different places. It was really great. Mm. And we know that the Zoom event is not quite the same as having people in a room <laughs> that you can see and talk to and maybe hug in several times, but um, there, it really was a terrific event. Okay. Well, thank you very much for coming in today. Thank you. It's been really great. Thanks. My name is Di Cousins, and this has been the 3CR Spoken Word Programme.